Good morning, everyone. Welcome to First Things First. I'm Jenna Wolf. Nick Wright is with us. Kevin Wilds, as always. We got Chris Broussard joining us this morning. I like to make it fresh. Like, I have no idea who's going to be here. Uh, we got a fun show for you today on a Thursday morning. Should we be worried about Dak's future with the Cowboys? Guess who isn't worried about Jared Stidham in New England besides Wilds? And speaking of worries, we're introducing the panic meter today, so stick around for that. But first, we get started with a little basketball. It is our rewarding performance sponsored by Capital One Venture Card. What's in your wallet? So the Golden State Warriors have won three of the last five NBA finals, but... They lost both Steph Curry and Klay Thompson to injury, and they lost Kevin Durant due to unfulfillment, perhaps. And as a result, the Warriors have lost more than they won this year, a lot more, to the point where many are now wondering if the dynasty is over. Well, Clay recently chimed in saying, it just kills me inside when people say that, when people say our dynasty is over. Nick, Steph and Clay are coming back. KD is not. Do you think the Golden State Warriors dynasty is over? Well, unfortunately for my friends in the Bay Area, the answer to that is obviously and unequivocally yes. And it didn't end the moment Kevin Durant left. It was it was on life support when Clay tears his ACL and Kevin Durant leaves. But I said on this very show, the day after the Warriors forfeited their one real ability to add another star when they traded uh, when they traded D'Angelo Russell in order to get Andrew Wiggins and a pick that we would never see Steph Curry in the finals again. And nothing has changed to change my opinion on that. The Warriors had one path forward. Package their top five pick that's coming this year and D'Angelo Russell this summer for a legitimate impact player. Instead, they took an alternative path, path, which is take D'Angelo Russell, trade him for a far inferior player, and get a pick that will never help you during Steph Curry's prime. And it's a wrap now. Here's where they're at. Steph Curry, believe it or not, is 32 years old, and he's owed $88 million over the next two years. Draymond Green is 30 years old, and he's owed $100 million over the next four years. Klay Thompson is 30 years old and he's or just turned 31. No, he's 30 years old and he's owed 165 million over the next four years. The next time the NBA has the playoffs or next year's playoffs, you will have 33, 31 and 31. Draymond, whose game is not aging well, Klay, who's coming off a torn ACL and Steph at 33 years old with no cap flexibility and no depth. So it's as a basketball fan, it's disappointing. Broussard, I was excited to watch the Warriors this year. I picked the Warriors to make the Western Conference semifinals because I thought Steph was going to have a, let me remind everyone how great I am season. Instead, Steph got hurt. Draymond looked really old, really fast, and we still haven't seen Clay. So I don't know what the case can be made that this team all of a sudden with this roster, because this is their roster, is going to be able to win three consecutive rounds of a playoff series in the playoffs to make an NBA Finals before Steph has aged out of it, Broussard. Well, look, their days of being the favorite, uh, certainly the definitive favorite, are over. Uh, however, could I see the Warriors winning another championship within the next three years, Nick? Definitely. I'm not saying I'm picking them, but they have a chance. Wow. 
within the next three years to wow. win the title, they will be a contender. Steph and Clay will come back as good as ever, if not a little bit better, particularly with Clay. Uh, Draymond, he looked bad as a, a the one star on a team full of youngsters, but he would look bad on any team if he's got to be the guy. But in his role as the third guy, the facilitator, the glue guy, he will be fine. And I also think he's motivated to come back and play well. Andrew Wiggins as the fourth option is fine. He's among the best fourth options in the league. I compare him to Andre Iguodala oh and Sean Livingston. When they were elsewhere and viewed as the man, when Iguodala had to be the man, nobody thought he was special. He was a disappointment. He goes to Golden State where he can just be a role player and his career is resurrected. Same thing can happen with Andrew Wiggins, although he lacks Iguodala's motor. Then you got the number one pick or the top five pick. If, it, if it's James Weissman, maybe an OB Toppin, those guys over the next couple years could help the Warriors. Don't forget next year they got Minnesota's number one pick that's only top three protected. So the, the Warriors, look, they'll enter this season as the fourth best team in the league behind the Clippers, the Lakers, and the Bucks. But with the Clippers, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, their health is always an issue. With the Lakers, LeBron James is going to be 36 next year in his 18th season. So at some point, he may fall off. And the Bucs haven't proven anything, but they're a great regular season team. Again, I'm not saying the Warriors are the favorites, but is their championship window closed? Absolutely not. Remember, those Spurs teams went six years without getting to the finals and seven without winning a title. The Warriors but, still but, have a but, shot. This is you, you, you've, you've lost your mind. You, you just said the Warriors going next year is the fourth best team. Did, did the Brooklyn Nets contract? Somebody let them know. James Harden quit basketball. Brooklyn, Somebody let Brooklyn. them know. Hey, our our friends in Denver and Utah are begging for some respect. And forget even hey. Philly or Boston. Like that, you, you've lost your mind. But the Draymond, the, the Warriors right now, the, the Warriors have four players whose names people know. Steph, Clay, Draymond, and Wiggins. Two of those guys are untradeable. Draymond Green, four years, $100 million with his When they won the title, I'm sorry, when they won 73 games, they didn't win the title. I forgot how that ended. When Draymond was apex Draymond, he was 14-10-7 on 38% from three. Since then, the four years since then, 126 players have taken as many threes as Draymond. 125 have shot a better percentage. He has been the worst three-point shooter in all of basketball, and his athleticism waning hurts for a guy who wasn't a great, great raw athlete to begin with and needs all that athleticism for defensive purposes. Wiggins, this, what you said comparing Andrew Wiggins to Andre Iguodala, I know Andre Iguodala doesn't like me a lot, even though I, I like him immensely. It might be the most disrespectful comment I've ever heard about Iguodala ever. Like Andrew, Andre Iguodala is hanging out, looking at his Zoom stock that he early invested in, having a great morning, and he hears the great Chris Broussard compare him to Andrew Wiggins. Jenna, I, I can't even, I, please take it away, Nick, Jenna. You're lucky they've muted you. You're lucky they've muted Nick is apoplectic. <laughs> Hang on, I, I want to I bring Wilds in here. So, Kevin, how do you think the draft would factor into this? I mean, don't they have that to look forward to, the Warriors? 
Yeah, Nick, I'll take the other side of it. I actually think they can be better. And Chris, I'll throw it to you. When we look at these top five picks, they're guaranteed to have a top five pick. They've got a 14% chance at getting number one. I think there isn't more excitement about these guys, basically because we haven't seen them. Wiseman only played three games. Anthony Edwards at Georgia, he didn't have like Zion-type numbers on regular TV. Two guys were in New Zealand. One guy's in Israel, and Obi Toppin never got a chance to really show what he could do during March Madness. So, Chris, I think this not only sets them up for next year, but almost can start a new dynasty going far beyond once those guys age out. I mean, I think that's going a little far. I wouldn't say a new dynasty. Uh, I don't think they're going to They're never going to be what they were. But I do think they're a contender without question. And you're right, a Weissman seven feet. Now, how much they'll help next year as rookies, that's a question mark. And OB Toppin might be able to help more than a Weissman just because he has more experience. But uh, look, to say their window is closed, I mean, how disrespectful to Andrew Wiggins. Andrew Wiggins is a 20-point scorer. I know he's been disappointing as a number oh. one guy, but Andre Iguodala was disappointing as a, a number <laughs> one guy. He, what'd he do in Philly? Led him to the second round? I mean, come on. But once oh he's in a role, he was great. You're not understanding roles. Draymond will be back in his role That's and right. he'll be fine. That's what you're not understanding. It's, the Warriors' strength was never their outright talent on paper. It was their chemistry, their fit, their style of it play, was, the way yeah, they played. With I'll tell you what else. it was. They, they even, Broussard, they even came up with a really cool catchphrase, strength in numbers, because they were a really deep team. Here is the right Andre now, Barbosa. now, hold on, here is, oh, yeah, yes, they, they okay, they, right, and right those now, guys weren't, here those are, guys wouldn't have been good elsewhere. Okay, but, okay, you go to guys 10 and 11 on the depth chart, you bring up Brandon Rush, as opposed to the fact that they had, Festus Azili, Mo Spade, Sean Livingston, uh, Andre Iguodala initially coming off the bench. I, I, those guys were legitimate backup centers. Here, hey, listen. Festus Azili? No, what, I, what I'm saying is this. He can't be what I'm saying is this, Broussard. Guys, what I'm saying is this. I've got two points here quickly. One, here are their non-starters under contract. Jordan Poole, Kai Bowman, Eric Pascal, Alan Smolalgic, apologies if I pronounced that wrong, and Marquez Chris. Not exactly strength in numbers. Now, as far as these draft picks, here is a fact about the NBA. Rookies don't help you in the playoffs, and young players almost never help you in the playoffs. Who's the last young player to be a real difference maker on a champion? It might be Dwayne Bleeping Wade. Now, you might say, oh, what about Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet? Check their birth certificates. They were both 25 years old when the Raptors won their title. So this idea, oh, the number one pick, plus we're going to have the number 12 pick from Minnesota. By the time those guys can help, Steph Curry will be 36, 37 years old. And one thing we know about Steph is he ain't LeBron. And at 36, 37, he ain't going to be a top five MVP candidate. Listen, it was a great run, but the run is over and you owe Andre Iguodala a written apology. What you have just done in comparing him to Andrew Wiggins. But Andre Iguodala made an all-star team before he went to the Warriors. Andre Iguodala was one of the best defensive players in the league before he went to the Warriors. The, the Andrew Wiggins had so much value that in order to get the Warriors to take him, 
they had to attach their first-round pick. That's the value of Andrew Wiggins. You had to include a first-round pick to get the Warriors to take him. But listen, you compare him to Andre Iguodala all you want. That's fine. We'll see how it works out for him. This Less is coffee, Nick. I'm not, not getting enough camera Put that time. down. You're, you're good. Less. <laughs> uh, look, he gets look. 45 Five minutes. straight NBA this. finals. <laughs> Three. It's his show. Uh, three titles, whether the dynasty is over or not, it it was a great run. Back here, first things first, now joined by Greg Jennings. We're unveiling our newest segment this morning. We're calling it the Panic Meter. Instead of our guys panicking during commercial breaks, we're just going to go on live TV and panic in front of you, America. So here we go. We're talking Cam Newton, Patriots offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels is reportedly not very high on Cam. So, Nick, here we go. How panicked should Cam Newton be about not finding a team this season? Well, it ain't great. The The Patriots are obviously the best option because <clears throat> not only can they win right now, but they have the single worst quarterback situation of any team in the league. And so Cam has kind of been backed into a corner to where it's out of his hands where he has to wait for what he believes to be an inevitable injury and an inevitable opening for him to walk into a starting quarterback spot. And I don't think this is the position he should be in, and I know that some folks believe he should just take a backup job anywhere he can get one. I don't think that is a reasonable ask of a player, not only of his caliber, but who was playing at a level, at, at such a high level, the last time we saw him healthy. Here is an unbelievable stat that I haven't heard anyone mention, and I think folks watching at home are going to check to see if I'm right on this. Longest streaks in NFL history of at least two touchdown passes and 60% completions, meaning longest streaks of consistently high-level quarterback play. Well, there's Peyton Manning is 55 touchdown year, Aaron Rodgers is 15 in one year, and Cam Newton, not his MVP year. Cam Newton, in 2018, that streak was ongoing and continued a few games after the T.J. Watt hit. The last time we saw Cam Newton healthy, 2018, he went into December with 26 touchdowns, seven interceptions, a 104 quarterback rating, and still five yards per carry, and was in the middle of the third longest streak of excellent quarterback play we've ever seen in the league. 70% completions. And now, 18 months later, he can't find a job. So, Wilds, it ain't great that he has to wait for an injury, but I understand why he's not signing up to go hold a clipboard somewhere when the last time he was healthy, he was playing the best football of his career, including that MVP season. This whole situation is weird, Greg. I didn't like, I know this question's not about Josh McDaniels, but I didn't like this quote from Josh McDaniels because if we put him on the panic meter, I would move him from stress-free because I think they believe in Stidham to compose because now Stidham gets off to a slow start. Everyone's going to be like, this guy, Cam's available, and he said he didn't like Cam, and it dates back to when he might have gotten the Panthers job. thought the whole situation was weird, Greg. Yeah, when it comes to Cam, um, I, I still feel like he should be composed because of everything that you're saying, Nick, and when it look when we look at the New England Patriots, I can't honestly say that they have the worst quarterback situation. I can say they have the most uncertain quarterback situation. 
but we don't know what Jared Stidham is yet. So we haven't seen it. So if I'm Cam, I'm composed. Everything that you said, Nick, people know that. It's a matter of, number one, we're in a pandemic, so no one can actually physically see how healthy Cam Newton is. And lastly, he is coming off an injury. So he still needs to be on the field and showcase what he can do, not only to teams, but even to himself. He knows what he's done, but sometimes as a player, you have to do it over again to regain that confidence and swag. Well, listen, I think it's a great point, Greg, and I think it's one of the reasons why he shouldn't rush to sign up for a backup job when maybe the biggest hurdle is simply you can't yet and maybe you can soon but right now you can't go to a team facility and let that doctor work you out maybe once that happens the world changes for him i i just i i talked to ted ginn jr last night who had glowing things to say about how the season with cam newton turned his career around after it looked like he was on his way out of the league after the down year in arizona ted ginn by the way now plays for the bears My guess is he and the other players on the Bears would feel a lot better with Cam walking into that locker room than they did with Nick Foles or certainly with Mitch Trubisky, Jenna. That's true. All right, let's move on to the Dallas Cowboys and test your panic levels here. CEO Stephen Jones said he can lay his head on the pillow better at night knowing they signed Andy Dalton. Meanwhile, Dak hasn't slept in days. I'm not sleeping that well either, but uh, whatever, it doesn't matter. We're not talking about that. Now, uh, Wilds, how panicked should Dak be about the future with the Cowboys, his future? I, I think we're talking like uh, Modelo's on the beach. He let as stress-free as stress-free can be. And I think it's partly because of the ownership is saying like, listen, it's, the deal's going to get done. Don't worry about it. And it's partly because this latest quote that came out from Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton just unequivocally says, Dak is the starter of this team. He's played really well, and I knew the situation when I was coming in. I felt like I could come in here and help this team win, obviously help Dak out as much as I can, and hopefully this sets me up in, for my future. The only weird part about this graphic is that da- is that uh, Andy Dalton's actually got his hands on the football. It looks to be a game-action play, and I don't think that will ever happen for the <laughs> entire year, Greg. <laughs> I like that last point. I Honestly... For me, I like the situation for Andy Dalton. I even like his approach. Typically, as a player, you wouldn't want to hear another player who can potentially be competing for a starting job talk about them not being the the number one guy or potential to be that guy. But yeah, that should be composed. I mean, the, the Cowboys are composed. They understand what they have in Dak Prescott. It's just a matter of ironing out the numbers. So, listen, we all know the catchphrase that is taking America by storm, old people be Oh, no. On the other end of the spectrum, here's here's a catchphrase that is rarely uttered, but I'm going to say it now. Wilds is exactly right. Wilds, you nailed it. Whoa. Stress-free is exactly how, see, I turned it around on you. Oh, what a great graphic. (laughs) Old people be lying. I love that. Didn't even really apply here, but I had to kind of shoehorn it in. Uh, Here's why you should be stress-free and why Wilds is totally correct. Dak Prescott today could sign a four or the Cowboys reportedly want to sign him to a five-year contract of over $32 million per year. 
So there's no stress for Dak. If he wants to secure his future with Dallas, he calls him today and signs the contract. It's not like now that they've signed Andy Dalton, they've pulled that from the table. So yeah, I agree. If Dak wants to be a Cowboy for the lion's share of his career, he could lock that in this morning. So I agree with Wilds 100%. Should be totally stress-free. Great job by Wilds. Wow, good. Well, All right. Surprising there. Let's move on. Talk talk a little uh, very big Ben. While fans are probably worried about how oh. their quarterback will bounce oh back following elbow All surgery, right. our Gla- Jake Glazer is a little more concerned about Ben Roethlisberger's fitness, saying, quote, first of all, let us not put the words fitness and Ben Roethlisberger together. They are allergic to each other. There is no fitness in Ben Roethlisberger. His idea of a great off-season workout program is doing one yoga session, playing golf, and drinking some beer. Greg, from one fitness guru to another, how panicked should the Steelers be about Big Ben's workout regimen? Or the Look, for the Steelers, for the Steelers, this ain't great. This ain't great. And I love everything <laughs> that Jay Glazer said. He knows a lot of players. Obviously, he has this facility, so he gets to see guys and their work ethic and what some guys have and what some guys don't have. And he, I think he's spot on with Ben Roethlisberger here. He's, he's an older quarterback who feels like he has a position and it's kind of a sense of entitlement. Uh, but I would err on the side of caution if I'm Ben Roethlisberger because it's not as simple as just plug and play anymore when you have when you're chasing the Baltimore Ravens now uh, and you have the Browns who are configuring uh, a roster that could potentially push you even out of playoff contention. You ended up eight and eight last year without uh, great quarterback play, below average quarterback play. They need Ben Roethlisberger to come in, all focus is football, and his health is going to be paramount. Listen, Greg nailed it. I Ben Roethlisberger is a champion, a first ballot Hall of Famer, and a great, great player in his, in his time. And by the way, his time was relatively recently. He played really well before he popped his elbow. But he's also a guy that for some reason or another, we as a collective have just decided who is not going to be in the bucket of players we consistently criticize, even though he engages in the behavior that we always criticize. He had some awful off-the-field stuff early in his career. He has not been a great teammate late in his career to Mason Rudolph and the young quarterbacks they drafted, whining about the draft picks and saying, not my job to help them. He consistently threw his coaches under the bus, and we now know he doesn't... I mean, we, we, we already knew because we could see it, we now have further confirmation he's not really taking care of his body in the offseason. Like, this is not a guy who you would want to bet a lot of money is going to come into this year, peak motivation, peak shape. No, look at it. I mean, we can see. I appreciate Jay Glazer confirming it, but I can see. And everyone's like, oh, it's the beard. The beard. Did he grow a beard on his stomach? Because, <laughs> it, it don't, I mean, it, the beard, it can't be all of it. So, like, we, listen, this is who Ben is, and... We'll see if that's going to play as a 38, 39-year-old quarterback. I don't know that it will, Wilds. All right, Greg, I know that you've got, like, full, like, two-hour routines just for, like, your left deltoid. But don't you think (laughs) there's a chance that that Ben Roethlisberger has got just, like, old man strength? They just, oh, there we go. Boom. Um, 
isn't there just a chance that like some guys don't need to work out as much as other guys? What? <laughs> look, Wilds. It, it, <laughs> so I mean, when, like, when Wilds, look at the predicament we're all in right now. And you tell me that this is a good optic look for the Pittsburgh Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger, their quarterback looking out of shape, coming off a season where he didn't, he he, he wasn't even available because of injury. That, those optics are all wrong for Ben Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh Steelers, specifically him being the face of the franchise right now. He needs to pull it together so he can set the tone going into whatever we will foresee to be the NFL season. I don't like this for Ben Roethlisberger. Again, he's a great quarterback. We all understand that. But you have to be in some type of physical shape to last and to have some sustainability for a full NFL regular season. Okay. You can get yeah, away with this maybe in baseball get, uh, if you're a starting pitcher, Wilds. Go ahead. Well, I don't know. We're going to get Roethlisberger in Lululemon gear now for the optics of it. I'm... We're going to be careful what we wish for. All right, now you've crossed over. <laughs> now, now you've gone too far, Wild. Enough with Greg this. wants optics. Uh, Welcome back. Time for a little drawing a blank. I start a sentence. These guys finish it. Here we go. Starting with the Packers, who in drafting quarterback Jordan Love have inadvertently lit a fire under Aaron Rodgers. At least that's the speculation. Rodgers' former teammate, James Jones thinks that's the case, saying, I won't be surprised if Rodgers wins MVP this year. Nick, Rodgers' MVP chances this season are blank. Smart money. And by smart money, I mean I looked up the odds on Fox Bet, our friends, 20 to 1. And Jenna, I finally figured out how to explain these type of betting odds to you. He's 20 to 1. So in order for it to be a good bet, you've got to say if this season was played out 20 times, would Aaron Rodgers win at least one MVP? And my answer is unequivocally yes. Some other bets, by the way, if you're a little interested, obviously Pat Mahomes at four to one, the best bet on the board. Kirk Cousins, 55 to one. I find that a little intriguing. You play the season 55 times, does Cousins catch lightning in a bottle once? Maybe. So, but Aaron Rodgers, smart money at 20 to one, far smarter than Tom Brady at 25 to one, maybe 2,500 to one. I mean, come on. There we go. Go ahead, Greg Jennings. Uh, for me, it's it's just good when you look at just Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. There's a lot of things that play into an MVP winning season, and that's your team and their level and ability to win games. We know they're a good team. They made it to the NFC Championship game. So if they can continue to win, yeah, it's Aaron Rodgers. The odds are always going to be good because of that and that alone. It's Aaron Rodgers. Now, if he had, if they had drafted another receiver that we knew would have a drastic impact, and now we don't know if any of the other guys are going to have a, a huge impact or have this outburst of a season to assist Devontae Adams, that's to be seen. But anytime you have Aaron Rodgers under center, and him throwing the football, dropping back against defenses, two-minute warning, game on the line. You have the level of excitement that it takes to the oohs and ahs to win MVP every single season. Nick, I'm going to be quick and throw it to you. I like Kyler and Tom Brady 
to winning co-MVPs like Steve McNair, Peyton 2003. How would the money shake out in your alternate universes if they split the MVPs, which will probably happen? Okay, there's not going to split MVPs, but then the odds split. It becomes very convoluted and complicated. Kyler's an interesting bet because year two, we saw Patrick and Lamar win MVP in year two, so it's on the board. Russell Wilson, by the way, it's 7-1, to one, Jenna. That's an intriguing one. I'd stay no, away Russell from Wilson. Lamar at 6-1, to one, not enough value there. Go ahead, Jenna. All right. I, I appreciate what you tried to do. We're going to try this again tomorrow with you explain it in even simpler <laughs> terms, and I promise you I'm going to nail it. Uh, no, on no, to the New England Patriots universes. now. Uh, that's why you lost me, third word. Uh, they're apparently sticking with Stidham. Our guy, Urban Meyer, was on the herd yesterday singing yeah. Stidham's praises, saying, quote, you put Jared Stidham with Bill Belichick, get ready. They're going to make that quarterback a great player. So, Nick, Stidham's ceiling this season is blank. Castle S, where a very limited player reaches uh, his apex potential okay. and it's like, oh, Maybe he's good, but he's probably not actually. Castle is one year starting with the Patriots, 21 touchdowns, 11 picks. They went 10 and 5 in his starts. They went 11 and 5 overall, 89 rating. Convinced my go. dopey Chiefs at the time to give up two second round picks and give him a bunch of money, and then he turned back into Matt Castle. But with Josh McDaniels, that all, that coaching staff, I think you can piece together, Greg, a palatable quarterback season. Hell. Tom Brady, they had they had 42-year-old Tom Brady play average last year. It's a great coaching job in that regard. So, yeah, I would say Castle S, Craig. This is a drop ceiling. When you look at drop ceilings, anytime you walk drop into a ceiling. building, architectural engineering, it's, it's <laughs> you don't know what's underneath the drops or above the drop ceiling. The only people who knows are the owners or the, the person occupying that space. However, when I'm if I'm the New England Patriots, Bill Belichick knows what's above his drop ceiling. And eventually he will find it find a way to go with the trend and say, you know what? Jared Stidham might be working out. Let's get rid of this drop ceiling and expose some of this plumbing and just spray it and make it look a little better. I think that's what's gonna happen with Jared Stidham and the New England Patriots. I think right now we don't know what he is. We don't know what his ceiling is, but we we see it's capped. But then eventually they'll start un unleashing some of what he can do. We'll take the ceiling down, expose all the plumbing, spray it. It'll look great. It. It's the trendsetter. All right, Greg, uh, I grew up in a house with a drop ceiling. You could remove one of the panels and hide a thing of frosting up there that you steal from your mom. <laughs> Boom, put the ceiling back. No one ever, any, no, it's none of the wiser. Jenna, um, although that was a great memory of me stealing birthday cake frosting, I'm about to do something terrible I said I would never do. To anyone who doesn't think Jarrett Stidham can be a good quarterback, go ahead, Katanic. Put it up. Put it up. Oh, boy, there it oh, is. Oh, yeah. There yeah. it is. It's my first time. Oh. <laughs> it's my first time. Here's, yeah. <laughs> Here's why. Don't try to act like Tom Brady. Uh, excuse me. Jared Stidham needs to be Tom Brady, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Can Jared Stidham throw for 189.5 yards a game? That's what Tom Brady averaged, and that's what won us the Super Bowl. So if you think Jared Stidham needs to be as great as Tom Brady... The old people be lying, Jenna. Sorry. Be lying. What did I miss? Who's the old people? Uh, you kind was of it, was it 
You? The people that are doubting Just kind of like people old, that are doubting old. Stidham, Jenna. He's saying the people who are doubting Oh, those Stidham. are the old people. That's, his, that's what he's saying. It's gotcha. a good, it's a good okay. quote. Yeah. Any old person. Now back-to-back -back stories <laughs> that I need further explanation on. It's not great for me. On to free agent Jadavian Clowney now. The three-time Pro Bowl defensive end likely out in Seattle, but is reportedly drawing interest from the Browns, the Titans, the Eagles, the Ravens as well. Nick, Jadavian's job prospects are blank. Well, I think they're murky if he wants the type of money that he wants. Listen, I think Clowney's an excellent player who's gotten a bad rap as far as motor and things like that. But he only had three sacks last year, and he's yet to have a double-digit sack season in his career. I think he looks at the contract Demarcus Lawrence got and says, I'm better than him. And I actually agree that Clowney's better than him, but he doesn't have a 15-sack season like Demarcus Lawrence had in his contract year. So I, I think they're murky if he thinks he's going to be getting $20 million a year, Greg. Um, I actually think it's pretty juicy. When when you look at teams, and again, this, this whole pandemic is kind of putting a little damper on teams being able to work players out and what have you, but... Jadavian Clowney is a proven in, a player in this league that can pass rush, that can wreak havoc. It's not so much about just creating and getting the sacks. It's about how you impact the game. Yep. And if you're talking about these teams having interest, the Ravens, who playoff team, uh, the who, who else was it? The Browns, potential to be a playoff team. The Eagles, obviously they have the potential to be a playoff team. These teams are, are teams that would love to get a talent like Jadavian Clowney that could potentially take them over the hump and put them in a position to where they can have a lot of success. I like the options that he has, if they're all real options. Juicy. I, I'm, go, I'm going with uh, weird, Jenna. Not counting Joe Burrow, you take the last 10 number one picks. Two are retired and two are unemployed. It's just bizarre. I hope he ends up on the Browns. They've got so much cap space, but I'm going with weird. All right. Well, let's end on the New York Jets, who are making a huge, huge move by signing Lamar Jackson. But if it's the last story in our C block, we must be talking about undrafted defensive back out of Nebraska, Lamar Jackson. Oh, we are. I just checked. But I'm sure it'll be just as good. Nick, the Jets signing Lamar Jackson is blank. I say just like the real Lamar. And why am I saying that? Because I believe that had the Jets drafted the real Lamar Jackson, Adam Gase probably would have tried to make him play corner as well. So, I mean, the Jets are, so it's like, hey, we would have made this guy play corner instead of play quarterback, so we'll have this guy play corner. I feel like that's what Gase would have done. So I say he's like the real Lamar, Greg Jennings. This was fraudulent, man. I feel like if I'm any Jets fan, if I'm a Jets fan and I heard we got Lamar Jackson and I don't have any TV in front of me <laughs> or description, I'm like, come on. You don't just say we just acquired Lamar Jackson. Put some preface in front of that and say uh, Nebraska defensive back Lamar Jackson. You can't just say Lamar Jackson. That's like somebody saying LeBron James in they're talking about their buddy. No, you can't just... No, your buddy is no longer just LeBron James. He's my buddy uh, that I went to high school with that works with me at work, LeBron James, not NBA LeBron. 
So, Greg, I feel the same way because the Patriots signed Bill Murray out of William and Mary's, a 6'4", 280-pound <laughs> defensive tackle. And I thought we had the real Bill Murray on the team. Oh, I my like God. All right, let's, uh, let's take a break. It is time for stories to start your morning, sponsored by Ram Trucks, built to serve. Cowboys CEO Stephen Jones said Dak Prescott's deal will ultimately get done, which at last count makes it too many times to count that we've heard that. And yet, no deal. Nick, how confident are you that this deal will eventually get done? Oh, I mean, I'd say it's a coin flip at this point. If you can't get something done over 16 months, what makes you think you're going to get it done over the next eight weeks? Like, there is a deadline to sign your franchise players to contract extensions. It's early July. We are now to early May. So it is absolutely on the board that Dak Prescott plays this year under the franchise tag. And then given the signing of Andy Dalton, everything goes on the board wilds for the 2021 season for Dallas. Greg, to me, it feels like... uh cramming for a homework assignment that will get up to that deadline be like all right let's get into a zoom meeting and lock the doors and not leave until this deal is done i agree 100 percent. you know it's they have time that's all they care about is that the deadline is not yesterday they still have time to get a deal done and i believe that they essentially will get a deal done when you think about what dak prescott is doing right now he's Let's just say he's acting out of character. He's been in alignment with everything Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys have have, uh, been able to do and have wanted him to do. He's been in total agreement up until this point, and he means business. And I don't see the Dallas Cowboys wanting a disgruntled Dak Prescott trying to take the field or potentially having to put out an Andy Dalton with C.D. Lamb and you got uh, in your backfield, Ezekiel Elliott, you got Amari Cooper, and, and no Dak Prescott, but Andy, no, that's not going to happen. You're going to have to get it done, like kind of like what Wilds is saying, maybe last minute, but I would rather it be last minute than not getting it done at all. Hey, we all thought they had to get it done going into last season. They didn't. They had all this time up until now. So I'm with Nick. I don't know if this gets done before he takes the field again. Mm-hmm. On to the Packers now. They moved up to draft Aaron Rodgers' heir apparent Jordan Love. But scouts reportedly believe Love should sit two to three years before starting. Seems like a long time to sit till you remember Aaron Rodgers sat for three years before starting. Greg, you think it'll take that long for Love to see the field? Uh, you know, I honestly think it's completely up to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, depending how he wants this to all play out, uh, he wants to continue to play for the Green Bay Packers beyond this year, next year, then, yeah, he's going to sit for two, three, maybe even four years. But if Aaron Rodgers decides after not this year but next year, you know what, I want out, or even after this year, then we might have to see an early entrance for uh, Jordan Love for the Green Bay Packers. Nick, I'm going to go upstairs and make my tinfoil hat and throw you a theory. Scouts don't necessarily really believe this. And this is messaging to Aaron Rodgers through the media. Tinfoil hat on. What do you think? 
I I love the tinfoil theory, but I think it's wrong. I think, listen, this is why Jordan Love shouldn't have been a first-round pick, because he is a developmental guy, because he did throw 17 picks at Utah State last year. And spoiler alert, America, if a quarterback needs to sit for two or three years before he can play, then that quarterback should not be drafted in the first round. Because by the end of year three, you have to decide on your fifth-year option. The whole utility of first-round quarterbacks is you get them on their cheap rookie deal while they can play. If you think a guy has to sit two or three years, that's what second, third, and fourth-round picks are for. This, to me, is just further confirmation that the Packers didn't know the hell they were doing on draft day, Jenna. That's a good point, Nick. All right, moving on to some basketball. Uh, Kevin Love might have won a title with the Cavs back in 2016, but he said he wishes he got one more run with LeBron and Kyrie in Cleveland. In other news, water is wet. Hey, Greg, uh, what could have what could have been had LeBron, Kyrie, and Kevin Love all stayed together in Cleveland? Um, honestly, nothing, nothing, nothing would have really changed. They weren't going to beat the Golden State Warriors. They possibly would not have gotten back out of the East with Milwaukee and Giannis coming up and emerging the way that they have. So it was the perfect time for uh, LeBron to leave. Now, Kyrie, he left a little, maybe a year early, but I I just think the tide was already starting to shift. Kyrie knew it. He wanted change. And it just, it would have been a little different. But they would not have won regardless. Okay, Nick is going to attack you. So I'm going to try to soften the blow here for a second. Um, Nick, I think it's funny. My favorite parts of spring are when the tulips come out and people saying like, huh, should we go trade for Kevin Love and add him to our roster? Is he our missing piece? But now you can go and (laughs) eviscerate Greg. I know you're going to be upset. No, no, I'm not going to eviscerate Greg. I think it's, listen, everyone wanted one more year of LeBron and Kyrie and Kevin Love, except for Kyrie. We're not talking about once LeBron left for L.A. We're talking about the 2018 season when Kyrie demanded out. LeBron goes to Dan Gilbert and says, don't trade him. Dan Gilbert, in his infinite wisdom, having just removed David Griffin as GM, says, no, we have to plan for a post-LeBron future, which, if you're the Cavs, post-LeBron has also been a post-apocalypse future. It's been hell on earth. They're like, and by the way, once you wanted to trade Kyrie, you could have traded for Paul George, and I believe that team would have won the finals that year against KD and the Warriors with the level LeBron played at in 2018. But instead, again, Dan Gilbert and his infinite wisdom, no, we have to get draft pick compensation back for Kyrie. So you got the eighth overall pick turned into Colin Sexton, and that's worked out so well that in the two years since LeBron's been gone, They've won 19 games, and then they rebounded this year and won 19 games. It's just, I mean, A-plus work by ownership in Cleveland that the only quality thing they've ever done is buy the team geographically located close to where LeBron was born. It's the only quality thing they've done. So another, Kevin Love, of course, has this right, Jenna. So I'm not going to attack Greg. I'll attack Oh, Nick fired up. All right, let's move on. On to 43-year-old Vince Carter now, who said he isn't willing to sell his soul for a championship ring. In other words, Vince doesn't want to sit on the bench to add a title to his resume. Nick, old Vince Carter be lying? 
I got that one. No, he's not. He is. No, you again, Jenna, leave the quote. Um, no, he's not lying. He has been totally. He's been totally consistent on this. He wants to play. He could have latched on with a contender any of the last few years. Instead, he came on our show and explained Wilds. He wants to be a part of a team where he can actually play. I, more power to him. Whatever makes him happy. I love Vince Carter, and I totally get it. It's whatever fulfills him, Wilds. I didn't know we were on Vince Carter comeback alert. He's going to have a great year in media, Greg. If he wants to come back, it would make me very, very happy. Yeah, I'm with Nick on this one. It's totally up to Vince Carter. He has he's given himself the opportunity to want to play in instead of just sitting and watching a team win with him being a part of it. Sometimes you want to actually be a part of it, meaning I want to contribute. And that's all he's saying. All right, moving on to our biggest story of the day. So on yesterday's show, our very own Nick Wright said the Miami Dolphins have arguably the most iconic uniforms in all of sports. All of sports. (laughs) Well, the sports world went bananas. If we had landlines, phones would be ringing off the hook. Fax machines would be buzzing like something would happen with a telex. Uh, Nick, you did set off a firestorm yesterday. You care to defend yourself? Yeah. Listen, America, I don't know who came up with this quote, but it was a very smart quote. Don't argue about what's funny and what's beautiful. It's in the eye of the beholder. That's a beautiful jersey. You can't convince me otherwise. It has the only undefeated season ever was wearing that jersey. It's iconic. So to America attacking me for this, believe you. Yeah, I don't care. I love it. You can't tell me I'm wrong. I can't be wrong about what's beautiful to me, Wilds. I can't be. But you said iconic, Nick. And the other quote, Jenna, that you didn't include was, the dolphin is perfect, <laughs> which they removed the helmet. I that prefer was the one a dolphin with a helmet on. <laughs> you t- you said it's in, it's a, the dolphin was perfect. I just vehemently disagree. Yeah. I'm not going to disagree oh, with you, Nick. I actually have that jersey right next to me. So it's yeah. it's a beautiful jersey. I'm what? with you. What? And great, Wait, we what? got like forty seconds you got left. Your jerseys. Can you grab it? Can can you can, pull it I off can't the wall? Grab it because can you show it? It's I, you, you, it's around the corner on the wall. So wear it on the I show would, tomorrow. It's a beautiful I jersey. Would, and how dare you the jersey on the, show. the dolphin? How dare you attack the dolphin? I like the dolphin. That's a beautiful I like dolphin. a dolphin with it's a helmet. Perfect dolphin. No. And by the way, no. We wear the Ace Ventura element. Look.